In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast... Vanilla Ice. My podcast, Vanilla Ice, is the one and only... Trav, Trav, baby. Travis Ratz. I'm Travis Ratz. Tra- I'm getting Travis professional. Ratz I'm getting professional now. I'm, I'm focused. Yeah, I'm focused. You're focused. How many tequilas is that right now? How many tequilas One tequila, two tequila, six tequila, eight tequila. I don't know. Well, Last do tequila? I count the tequilas I had with dinner or just my post-dinner tequilas? <laughs> All of them combined. All of them combined. Right. Cinco de Mayo is right around the corner, my friend. It is. It is. All right, this is the Comic Exposure Podcast. And on the Comic Exposure Podcast, we talk comic books. On this very episode of the Comic Exposure Podcast, we are talking about uh, a comic from Black Mass Studios called We Can Never Go Home. That's what this episode's about, a comic book club episode. We have a returning guest on. Our guest is the one and only Chris Moore. Chris Moore, say hi to everybody. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Hello, everyone, and thank you for having me back. It is a thrill, honor, and pleasure. Can I just say say something in front of you two gentlemen? Uh, We have a lot of guests on this podcast. And it's it's tough to pick favorites, you know. It's tough to pick favorites. Uh, it's like when you teach, Josh. You can't pick a favorite student out loud, but in your head, yeah. you have you, a favorite you, student. Yeah, you have one. I would say Chris is in the running for one of my favorite guests. Hey, Chris has a nice Thank radio you. voice, yeah. and I think it becomes it comes from all those years of like production in college, right, Chris? Yeah, I spent a lot of time in that. So thank you so much. I appreciate yeah, no that. No problem. And he's you, not you even he's not even my buddy. He's your buddy. He's not. And you know what? I feel like I've known him for years. I feel like Chris, right Chris, for years. at least a year because we're almost a year out from the time he was on the podcast. That's right. Yeah, it's been it was March or April of last year. Yeah. Yeah. His, so his Chris was on the appearance. Yeah, yearly appearance. Chris Moore was on the podcast last time when we talked about Batman Zero Year, and we promised him we'd do Batman Zero Year Part Two, and that never happened. <laughs> so it's a single tier. Have you, have you you read it though? Did you read it? Yeah, I've read a lot of them. I've spent a lot of time uh, since I've been on the podcast last. Uh, my appreciation of comic books has uh, has increased twenty, thirty, forty, fifty fold. Um, I've spent a lot of time basically going back. I'm I'm still kind of trying to work my way out of my comfort zone of superhero comics, but I've gone through a lot of the new fifty two with DC, um, Justice League, Batman. Um, I'm trying to like Superman. Um, yeah, it's a tough one to like Superman sometimes. A lot of uh, Avengers vs X Men. Um, went through a lot of that just trying to hit where i can and it's been great i've had a lot of fun with it so it's uh i appreciate all you guys have, have done to kind of rekindle the the interest in it no uh travis travis we've done our job we can close up the podcast we've exposed we done it down. you've been exposed we've, we've done it <laughs> back it up is our success story. no that's good that's good to hear <laughs> i like um uh the uh when people come back into the fold uh it's really cool and i think when you when you start steering away from superhero comics, you just find that the media of comics opens up so much. Uh, and one of the things that I've discovered with this pod, I'm, I'm getting real, guys. I'm getting real with you now. I'm getting a little bit misty. Okay. But one of the things that I discovered with this podcast and working with Josh is that it's really good to step out of your comfort zone because then you, you read things that you wouldn't normally read and they're really magical. It's good for you. It's good for you. Which is kind of why, as which is kind of why I wanted Chris to read this book because I know that Chris is like a big Batman fan. He's a superhero yes. comic book reader, <clears throat> and so we were at Amazing Comic Con, right? We were all at yeah, Amer- Amazing Comic Con, and uh, I had read this book before Amazing <sighs> Comic Con, and I had said to, I read it when it came out in December. It came out in trade, and we were at Amazing Comic Con, and then I told Chris Moore, "You need to buy this. You have to buy it." I think it was nine bucks. 10 bucks mm-hmm. and I said buy this and read it and he did and now he's on the show to talk about it because I forced him to read it and non well I guess there's some superpowers in it but it's it's not a normal superhero book so let's exactly. let's do let's I Chris you beat me I was gonna tell I was gonna ask because we normally ask our guests Travis asked them what do you normally ask them Travis I normally ask them what's your shoe size exactly Ooh. no wait that's not it that's oh, not it okay uh, we always to ask right <laughs> <laughs> don't it's a different podcast you're you're thinking about what's your shoe size that's a whole different podcast network i'm here to ask you what your 
first exposure to comics was. Normally, but we already know that. That's ancient history. Right. Go back, listen to the Batman episode. And, yep. then I, and then I was like, my goal was to go, Chris, what have you been reading lately? And you just told us Thunder, all the stuff you've been reading lately. So you stole my question and my thunder, which is okay. Well, one so of the we things, can... Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. One of the things that's no. come up is um, my, my, my mom, of all people, was like, hey, I found all <laughs> these comic books in the attic. Um, I want to get... I was going to... I don't know what to do with these. Do you want them? So I went over to their house and I found in what I guess is a technically mint condition for what they are, uh, just old X-Men comics, like the ones like the right out of the 90s. I found... And I had some Ren and Stimpy ones. Oh, yeah, I was nice. into that. Uh, yeah. They're bad but i went through and i started going through them and i had them all in the you know in the in the um in the sleeve and everything and i just started started, yep started reading them i'm like this is still awesome like i was like (laughs) you just i got all nostalgic and it was like the best feeling no that's awesome yeah i i i think i've uh, i think my parents have pretty much taken every um remnant of me out of their home so I don't it. think I'm going to have that experience. Yeah, exactly, that experience of like five years from now, them uncovering like a a long box and being like, "Oh, going through it again." So enjoy, yeah, it, Chris. I, Your parents love I you. I took all I took all mine and sold them on eBay. Two thousand, I don't know, two thousand four ish, two thousand five. What did you buy? What did I buy? Yeah, eat that Snickers right into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't buy anything. I, I used that. I'm on a diet. What'd you buy? A Happy Meal with those? With that? What'd you get? Um, I sold them to pay bills, dude. I was like dirt poor. I didn't get nearly any money for them, but I just was like, I've got all this stuff. My parents said take it. And I've been at their house forever. I lived in a small apartment with, um, you know, with my daughter and my ex-wife. And I was like, man. I've got way too much stuff, so I just sold it all on eBay. Dude, Kevin Smith sold his comic book collection to make a movie. You sold it to make rent. That makes you a sellout. Yes. Now that I think that makes me even more, even more like uh, it makes me even more hard up than Kevin Smith is. You know How what I mean? How dare I was... you feed your child with your comic books? I'm such a dick. So our pi- our episode today is on we can never go home, gentlemen. I think we can dive into it. You ready? Or do you want to talk about some more stuff? No, man, I'm ready. let's do this. Okay, but I, but I maintain the right to get sidetracked at any point during this conversation. I wouldn't expect it any other way. I wouldn't and, expect it any other way. So, and preface, yeah. preface. It has yeah. been, We, I think we. you gave me this trade months ago because you're like, I don't know if yeah. we're going to do on the podcast, but I, I, I want you to read this. And I read it like the week you gave it to me, and it has been since then since I've looked at it. I have a good memory of it. And I remember reading it. I was reading it as if I was going to talk about it. So I, we're straight here. We're good. I'm just, I just want to so, – if I miss so a if name Travis – is, Travis is like, I have no idea what this book is about. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I reread it last night. I reread it last night. Uh, again, I had not read it since I bought it probably in December. I reread it last night uh, because I was like, man, I need to reread this book. One, because it's – I'm, I'm coming out right now. I really like this book. I like it a lot, so I'm I'm playing I'm laying my cards out right now. Travis, what do you think? Um, I have mixed I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I and we'll we'll if get you into take that. Out, if you take out the very last two pages, what do you think of the book? I think I, it was an enjoyable read. Okay, that I'm I'm I, gonna keep my rest of my cards close to my vest. Chris Moore, quick, what do you think of it? I'm kind of in the same same boat. Uh, my initial review was I really liked it. There was but then towards the end, it kind of started. Well, I don't want to get too deep into it already when we're just at the start, but <laughs> I liked it a lot. I, I like for for being exposed to something that was different from what I'm used to. I liked it a lot, but right. I'll, I'll elaborate on that as we kind of as we as we move on. So, so let me let me give the rundown. We can never go home. Is out on Black Mass Studios. Uh, art by Josh Hood and Brian Level. Colors by Amanda Skirty and Tyler Boss. Letters by Jim Campbell and David C. Hopkins. Uh, there's a bunch of design work and the covers and stuff, and that's all by Dylan Todd. And it is written by uh, the writing team, Matthew Rosenberg and Patrick Kindlon. Uh, and then all the covers were done by Michael Walsh. And so this trade uh, from Black Mass Studios is 10 bucks, five issues, like you like two bucks an issue that this right here, this image pricing that that nine, ten dollar thing that image right. does uh, when other people do it, I will buy it all the time. Yeah. Ten bucks. 
this there's so much stuff crammed in here. There's like every single cover and variant cover, yeah. all the mixtapes. I tell you what, like, I would pay five bucks just to see all these covers. I mean, right? I think it's, yeah, I mean the covers are 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 beautiful. They're beautiful, guys. They I mean, really are. They're really great covers. So um, I'm gonna get in right into this. So uh, Chris, you said that. Uh, um, you want me? You want to do, you get, you want to do the synopsis? Oh like yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Look at this. I'm just so say so it. if you we're gonna we're we're gonna talk about this. If you haven't if you haven't heard this one, uh, I'm still gonna tell you. I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil it, but I still want you. I still want you to read it. Uh, so so essentially, here's here's what it is. This book is about two teen two, two teenagers. It's the year 1989, and uh, we're dealing with uh, Madison, who has superpowers, and Duncan, who does not have superpowers. Uh, there is a little bit of an accident. Madison saves Duncan, kills Duncan's dad. They take off. They get involved with the FBI and some drug dealers and a bunch of crap. Everything that can go wrong goes wrong, and it's like uh, like kind of like a you know like a like a a road trip, but not entirely a road trip, but kind of an escape movie. Again, an escape comic book, if I if I could say that. And that's my that's my short summary on it. Plus mixtapes, guys. Plus mixtapes. When I started reading it, that was my initial thought was, was, I wonder if this is why he wanted me to read it because I started to look at the artists on those mixtapes, and I just they were, I just I first I thought of you and I go I think he might have been onto something with this. But yeah. all right, so I want Travis, that I want that mixtape cover as like a shirt. You know, yeah. it's a great, yeah. just like a yeah. yellow, the yellow shirt with that mixtape tape on there. So you you hit the first. Can we talk about the, just how annoying the names uh, Duncan and what is it Madison are? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God. Those, yeah, those are those seem a little not eighties. That's yeah, the one thing are, I will say. Yeah. That those, those are, are well, go ahead. Those are children born in the late eighties. As a teacher, those are children born in the nineties. Right. I have lots of yep. Duncans. Yep. In Madison's. Madison's. Um, All right, so let's talk about but, that. Let's talk about that right Duncan there. Duncan doesn't strike me as a loner name. This is a book that t- takes place in the 80s, right? So I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll do a little nitpick at the beginning. I, this, didn't, this didn't take me out of the story, but I think they missed an opportunity in the story. It takes place in the 80s. It doesn't feel like the 80s except for the mixtape. Uh, even the style of clothing doesn't really – there's not a lot of 80s style of clothing. The coloring – I love the colors in this book. Yeah. But the colors don't scream 80s to me. Um, and so this – I when I was re-upping my um, uh, information on the story, I was like, oh, yeah, this did take place in the 80s. But and I'm going to tell you, when I read it initially, and even though every chapter starts with 1989 in a small town – I never put that it was in the 80s until I, like, read an interview. And he's like, oh, it takes place in the 80s. I never placed it in the 80s because there's a quick scene where he gives her a tape and she's like, I don't have anything to play this in. Right. Yeah. And I was like, of course you don't because it's, it's 2015. But then it's in the 80s. But I was like, this is like a kid who loves weird music who is some sort of, like, even more of a loner than a punk rock loner in the, in the 80s. Uh, to me... I don't know. I don't know that it matters why when they, it takes place. Why did they set it in the eighties? You think just because they had nostalgia for that, or they were they were going back to it, or were they trying to um, uh, make allusions to like Valley Girl and some of the John Hughes type of of uh, of a little a little bit of like it reminds it like you know that Jawbreaker or Heather's kind of aesthetic. You Heather's know what I mean? Is a good one, yeah. It's very um, true romance too. You know, yeah. it is. Yeah, it definitely. I guess it, it plays like in. I mean, it's kind of in that vein of an '80s movie a little bit, right? But it doesn't seem like to me. It doesn't seem like it's set in the '80s, and I don't think it. It, it doesn't. Take I don't away. think it, affects, it doesn't take away. Yeah, it doesn't take away from the story either way. Um, but it was one thing where I'm like, oh, it's in the '80s, even though that tape says. 1989 every time i just didn't like it didn't resonate with me for yeah, some read, dumb reason we read batman returns a couple weeks ago for the podcast and oh, no, batman returns we read batman dark knight and that yeah. is so 80s and yeah. you're like you're like where's that why can't we have that 80s in this book <laughs> and when you guys were trying to figure out who directed uh, robocop i was screaming palmer hoven <laughs> <laughs> i was getting I was berated like, because i, I so didn't know it took place in detroit <laughs> yeah, damn it right uh, so that aside that aside um, I don't know. I, it's in the 80s, but I don't think it matters. I think it plays well either way. 
that's one thing I would say I enjoy about it is that it didn't seem like it was pigeonholed in a time. You know, they do like there's no there's no cell phone usage. There's like a payphone, and maybe that should have made me go, oh yeah, it's not right now because they use a payphone. But there's nothing that makes it seem set in any decade. Like you said, Travis, the clothes are pretty normal. There's nothing mm. that screams time period in it. I would say and maybe if, it's be- if it is going to scream a time period, it screams grunge early 90s to me more than 80s. I guess it's yeah, 89. Maybe- I guess it's 89. We're good. Yeah. We're good. The, 90, the, the 80s are bizzack, though, dude. The yeah. 80s and 90s are back. So all the kids dress like this now anyways. Maybe that's why, maybe that's why it didn't catch to me. Because as someone who teaches high school, all the kids wear like tight pants and, and, and Converse, so they all dress like Duncan. Remember in the '90s when you wanted flannel? Like they didn't have flannel really made for teenagers, so you had to go no, I don't to wear my like dads. yeah, you had to go to like the guy section at J.C. Penney's and buy yeah. the most squared off, awful, un- untailored flannel shirts, just boxy. Uh-huh. Yes. Mid, like poor man's shirts and it was glorious of course you did, did. alright so let's let's get into it right now did Let, we just let's go into an SNL quick. skit did we just go into Goat Boy hey remember the 80s the 80s alright so here's here's what I want to know we're following these two teenagers around uh, Travis Ratz Chris Moore are you a Duncan or are you a Maddie are you a Duncan or are you a Maddie take it Chris Ooh. I would have to say, I, I personally, if I had to look myself, I would probably probably be a Maddie. And I want to tell you something. I, I was looking at my notes real quick because I, I did this. I made an initial impression of both characters when I first started reading. I, this was maybe I'd read two pages. All right. Mm-hmm. So the, the opening scene where they're out and, he, and she's uh, and she's out with her boyfriend and, and he's yeah. standing there shooting uh, shooting the I think he was just shooting bottles. I had written something because at first I wasn't sure I was going to like this comic because I had written as for Madison. I had wrote she was a cliche tough girl like she doesn't need anybody. And I was worried that it was going to kind of play on that, and it and it didn't, which I was kind of happy about, or actually that I was happy about. And then for Duncan, I wrote loner slash, uh, I don't know if I want to say. Well, I basically wrote him as is, is some kind of guy who's going to go shoot up a school because that's what he reminded me of when I first <laughs> met this person. And as and I I didn't know what to expect, so that's kind of the initial impression I had written for myself. I was like, let's see how we can build on these characters. But um, yeah, definitely, I I, I love Maddie's character, uh, just kind of that. Um, you know, as soon as she gets pissed off, she's going to kill somebody, basically. And, and <laughs> even though that's not her intent, you know, yeah. I, I, it's, it's interesting to kind of watch her struggle. But I, I, when reading that, though, I, and I'm kind of going off what the, what the author had written at the end of the book, um, kind of a, uh, what they were kind of talking about using uh, violence in a responsible manner kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I look at that and I'm kind of like, did she change a whole lot from the beginning of the book to the end? And for me... Not so much, but and the, and I can say the same thing for Duncan. There's a couple other things, but just kind of start that off. But yeah, definitely, I, I loved her character uh, a lot. And and Duncan, I think was kind of like that good. I, I saw him as a supporting character. I thought it was kind of her show. Yeah, and he was kind of there for the ride, you know, and going, well, you got the powers. I'm just gonna, you know, aim this. <laughs> I'm just gonna wave this gun around, look like a badass. Travis, are you a Duncan or are you a Maddie? Uh, I can't be either of them, man. I can't be either of these stereotypes. It's so polarizing. It's it's so. They're so living in that trope, you know, the Bonnie and Clyde type thing, the um, mm-hmm. the rebel and 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 the cheerleader. Um, so I, I I can't say I'm one or the other. I will say though, um, people might have a, a problem with this when they read the book, but I think that uh, this book is definitely written by guys because the way they write Maddie through, or the way they write a relationship between. Uh, Duncan and Maddie like Duncan is that emo he's that kid like you're just not that the non-popular kid the non-athletic kid um, which I think we could probably all in this on this Skype interview relate to in that way right so in that sense uh, I'm a Duncan but we all through high school we had that idea of like what I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get the popular girl, and we're gonna run away, and she's gonna see how cool my eccentricities are, and how I'm like a badass. Uh, and so it's kind of like mas- mental masturbation for these writers. They're like, ah, the girl gets the guy, and he gets to take her on a road trip, and they get to go, you know. But everything goes wrong. But everything goes wrong. Mm. So I, I I agree with you. I think if I were gonna say, I think that I I see myself as the Duncan. 
One, because all of those mixtapes are fabulous. Uh, when he, like, asks her, like, out of nowhere, hey, have you ever listened to Husker Du? I'm like, oh, I, that's, that's totally stuff yeah. I would have done to a girl in high school. Those are things I've said. Like, hey, have you ever listened to the Get Up Kids? Do you know who the Get yeah. Up Kids are? Yeah. Like, no, right. And I tell you what, I love Duncan's dialogue in this book. Like, they, I had plenty of times where I just chuckled. It's written very naturally, so you can hear them saying it. Sometimes when you read comics, the dialogue is comic book dialogue. And it works in comics, but it wouldn't really work in, like, a screenplay or it wouldn't work in, like, a novel uh, as well because it doesn't – the cadence is off. Yeah. I, I thought for Duncan, he really captured the sarcasm, the insecurities, the bravado that you feel as a teenage boy. And I think that's really trans- translated well in his dialogue. I think so. I think Maddie, like, not so Dunk- much. Maddie is a little stilted. I think. I think it's still guys writing a girl what they would want a girl to say. Um, but Duncan is spot on dialogue. It felt really natural. Yeah, I think Duncan is probably. I like Duncan a lot. I see Duncan like just the things he says. All just he just has a lot. They're not one liners. Like they're meant to be jokes. But just stuff like like uh, which he says stuff like. I just realized I can't pay for this stuff when they're when they she tries on all those outfits and she picks out clothes and he goes we don't pay for things anymore Maddie we're outlaws like just, there's this sort of like natural yeah. matter of factness yeah, to yeah. the to the delivery of everything he says that I that I found like kind of like wow I, I I don't see a lot of writing like that where it seems very natural right you know it's quippy um, and he has even yeah. when he does like the even when he does um, like that that scene where um, the dad dies. Uh, and he turns and he says, "Say hi to mom for me." But it, yeah. it, it's cheesy, like you'd say, like an '80s action movie. But you could tell that he's doing that on purpose. Like it's his, like, "Oh, this is what I'm supposed to say," and it's going to come this across as like, like, "Yeah, it's right? funny." You know, he's he's they're making they're poking fun at some of those 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 tropes. Um. So this is. In all intents and purposes, it starts as a road trip story, right? Or an, I, I'm going to say it's an escape story, right? They they screw up, or a bad things ha- bad thing happens and they run, and then another bad thing happens and they run, and then another bad, you know, like it's this it's this continual crap we messed up sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, and it. And it reminds me, so the story of these two teenagers trying to figure out, let's run away. We got, we did something really dumb, let's run away. And they have really no plan, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like Duncan's plan is literally, uh, we got money and food and we're just going to go, right? Like, right. that is such a teenage boy plan. Yeah. Like, no, that's all we need to do. Well, <laughs> you know, I, here's a question, um, uh, Chris, I'll, I'll ask you this. One of the things that Josh is getting at there is that this this book really takes several genres and kind of puts them together. You have that backbone of that road trip and that getaway crime, that almost that crime road trip story. But then we mix in superheroes and superpowers to it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you're familiar with both tropes separately. How do you think mm-hmm. they work together in this book? Ooh, that's a good one. Um in terms of like the way I read it and, and kind of coming together is that, um, you know, I uh, that's a really good question. I thought I had well, something on my no, head. I, I kind think of it's my, my, my head. well, it's it's because it's so the premise teenage love, right? We have that. That's really realistic. That's very grounded. Even the crime yeah. and violence. Violence always seems to ground like, stories. Natural, natural borns kill. Natural it, born killers. Kind nailed of thing, it right? exactly. But then, so you're like, okay, I'm going with this. But when you throw in superpowers into any genre, you have the ability of tipping the balance into something goofy or turning it into – how does he handle – maybe that's a better way of saying it, Chris. How does he handle I, the balance of genres in here? I think the way – if you look at it, if, if you take out the superpowers, you take away everything, you've got a basic teenage story. Right. You throw in the – obviously, we add in the superpowers. We get – I think you get – you can do a little more with the story. You know, you can do more with, with her character because I think without the powers, Maddie's a bland character. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I, I think Duncan actually, as he moves on, I think he kind of, you know, he, he has the, he, like you said, he has more one-liners. The story is written in the sense of it's a guy writing it, so obviously they're going to promote their thoughts into his head, and then you know they got to guess what they think the girl would say. Um, 
but the way they, they you know they build on it with um, you know with her basically going well um, I don't need anybody uh, I can take care of myself but then oh shit I'm in trouble now so how are you gonna help me but in reality it's like really I, I feel like she's carrying him through everything but mm-hmm. yeah you know I so it's good yeah so Josh I, let me can I ask yeah. you a question Josh a follow up mm-hmm. on this um, when we talk about the superpowers entering this story. I think Chris yeah. is right. I think you need that to make Maddie a more of dynamic character, and you also need to stir the genre a little bit. Otherwise, you just have a crime teenage story. Yeah. Do we I, need I the- Do we need to explore the powers any further than Oh, she has powers. Let's let, let the story naturally take course. I would I would say that there's part of me that goes. <clears throat> there's part of me that goes. Pardon me. When she was the only one with powers, I think I liked it. Uh, I think I had. I think I liked it a little more. I get the. I get the idea of like, oh look, there's. I kind of like the FBI part coming after her. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think that maybe I didn't like, the where I was like, oh, I don't know if I need that, is the drug dealer having people with superpowers, right? Can I ask you guys something? Yeah. As I was reading this story, do you feel like there were certain things, and, and you touch on this with the with the powers and everything? Do you feel like there was parts of the story that either just weren't hashed out because it was it intentional for instance her powers don't i feel like you don't get a lot there you don't get a lot with the fbi it's like all right they exist i feel like are they just there's no i, I kind of wanted a background to them well, same with the drug dealer i wanted like more of a reason to like to kind of care to get into this to these characters because i felt like they spent the author spent a lot of time building up the the road trip all right and then all of a sudden you get to chapter four and then just shit hits the fan and everything's just going like that 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 and i Part of me wanted to see, okay, can I get this fleshed out a little bit more? But maybe that's the whole point was to kind of just give you more more of the action and kind of leave all the other stuff. I think that's part of it. I think you're supposed to feel – I think part of it is we are in Duncan's and Maddie's shoes, right? So we're not really supposed to know why, what the FBI is. We're not really supposed to know about the drug dealer and all that stuff. We're kind of experiencing it through them. So I'm I'm okay with not knowing a whole lot about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And there is supposed to be more. There is supposed to be more of this book. And so I think it'll explore that maybe a little further. Um, but I would say, like, the one thing I kind of really enjoyed the, oh, man, she has superpowers. Where is this going to take them? What kind of trouble can they get into with this as they as they run away? And I think it still would have, I guess, what what threat is the drug dealer if she has superpowers, right? So is that's not really a threat in terms of, like, they need to escape from it because you just saw her decimate the police, right? Like, she runs out, they're shooting at her, she throws a cop car, there's a cop up on the roof. And so the only thing that can slow them down is someone with similar abilities or right. some a force that has the same sort of power. Well, that, and I think that, the, drug, that, the drug dealer does that. That's where they choose to go with it. I think yeah. I, this is a good book, and I, I, it's one that I would recommend to people. I would choose who I recommend it to, but it's definitely enjoyable. What keeps it from being a great book, in my opinion, is that it suffers from not knowing what it is yet. Now, it's only, what, four or five issues in five the first yet. volume, so that's – I mean, it's tough for me to say, you know, it's five – you have to know what you are in five issues. But maybe for me, it's I liked what it was in the first three. I liked what it was yeah. in the first three, and you could have rode that out for twenty-five issues and had and had me hook, line, and sinker, because I liked that. I liked that genre, the crime road story with superpowers thrown in, and it's about teenage relationships and first love and sex and drugs and adventure. I liked it on that micro scale, uh, and then. They, as Chris was saying, there's this turning point when all of a sudden the pacing gets thrown off. Things are being thrown at these characters that seem unjustified, that seem out of their realm, at least in these first five. They, they, the authors could bring it around and make it make sense. You know, it's tough when you decide to divide up a, a series into uh, volumes, and then if that volume has a weird end, it could really throw off the curve on what the story looks like. But for me, I guess this, the reason that kept me from making it a great book is because I think it started off great, lost what it was, lost a little bit of control of its pace, and lost a little bit of my motivation to read more at the end. 
you think it became more of an action book at that point after chapter four? Like it's you, you start off as just basically it was all story, like the two the two of them, and, right. all, and then all of a sudden you get all these other things thrown in, you know. And I then as yeah. I was good, go I don't want to read a book about science and government. I want I was going to yeah. read this book about mixtapes and punk rock and superpowers, <laughs> and then and like, that drew me in too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would I would agree with you guys. I think it gets there's this weird middle part where they go to the drug dealer. But then you get to see Duncan save Maddie again, and she gets to come back and save him. They have this kind of repeated mm-hmm. cycle of he saves her, she saves him. And I, it gets muddled in that one middle section where they go to the drug dealer's house. But then once Maddie uses the FBI to, like, save him, and then there's that action sequence at the end, I'm like, all right, I'm back on. They're going to take off together. <laughs> and, then I don't get, and then I didn't get that. And so the ending is what kind of made me – that the ending is the only thing I didn't really like. And more, if I'm a phone, yeah, right, yeah. If I'm it, really gonna put it, there's three pages, like a prologue. And yeah. if that prologue weren't there, I think I'd be like, in my head, I can imagine him catching her, like she's on the road, and he picks her up, and then the story continues on this on this sort of like crazy punk rock, you know, road trip. My biggest issue but, with the ending. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't know you're done. Yeah, I'm sorry. But when that with that ending hits, I go. Uh, I you like there's this big skip in time for a prologue where I'm like oh I don't know that I want to know where this goes next did it feel shoehorned that's what it felt like to me like it's okay this is suddenly three months later and all right I was not expecting that why 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 am I reading these last two pages why is everything different this doesn't make sense to me Uh, I lost track of all the characters motivations there in the last books why is she saving him and then they're betraying each other and then they're moving around and now she's really pissed at him for some reason I thought I I just I think it's just a pace issue that when you when you speed up the pace and you try to cram things in um, youth as an author you might think that you have clearly established the motivations of the characters but as an audience, as, as someone who's reading this, I, I had to really pay attention. Now, if I went back through and gave it a second and a third read, I might be able to kind of track the change of motivations. But for me, Duncan has always been a squirrely character as trying to figure out where exactly he's coming from. I know he's in love with this, this girl, um, and I know he's had a bad family, but some of his actions seem to come uh, unjustified. From teenage... Yeah. From from teenage hormones, and, that, and is that a cop out? Like saying, "Well, he's a teenager, and they're all over the place. He probably has ADD. Maybe you should write in an Adderall line." No, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. But I think, like you, like when you think about it, as what are his motivations? His motivations were he starts off at the very first chapter, like, "Man, you've got powers. You should get the hell out of this town." Right. And then he has an opportunity to use her to get the hell out of the town, right? right. And so he does. And then they just end up getting themselves in more and more trouble. And so he keeps trying to, like, he likes this girl. And so he keeps trying to, like, either save her or whatever it is, but he can't. He can't. He doesn't have powers. So he's been lying uh, to her. Uh, 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 that's my next question. Yeah. But, yeah. Does he have he's powers? Like, no. no. No, he does not. He does not have powers. Because he wouldn't save her. Well, I mean. He wouldn't save her. And I'm, she said, you lied to me. And he said, Yes. No, he didn't say he, – he never admitted to not having powers. He says he has the power to kill people with his mind. And then, then for some reason, people believe her, him. No, I think he says he won't Nobody questions it. it. Yeah, no one questions it. This he show just says, later, well, I, kill, I killed my mom with my mind, and then it's kind of like, oh, all right, well, I guess I believe you. This book is no. promoted as two kids with superpowers on the run. I think he's under the. I... No, you're you're he when he she's getting beat up. She said um, the drug dealer's like you can do this, make him stop, and he's not doing it. And then you didn't help me. It was a trick. He wanted to see if I would take the gun. Why didn't you use your powers? And you lied to me. You lied to me the first day we ever met, didn't you? And he says, "I'm sorry." Yeah, but then so she says, you lied to me. And he the, says, you're right. I'm sorry, man. And then at the complex, they're like, use your powers. And he's like, well, I really shouldn't. That was a little foggy to me. Like, I, I, no, it's I after get this... that part. After that part, she says, you didn't use your powers. And he says, I'm sorry. She says, you lied to me. Why did you lie to me? And he said, we saved each other. And he says, you, you used me. And she goes, it's over now. We're here. 
And that's when she takes off. That's when she's going to take off again. Right there, you find out he absolutely doesn't have powers. I'm going to disagree. I think it's left open. I think it, I think that is left open because when they get to the drug dealer's house, there's more talk about his powers. But that's afterwards. This is at the very end of the book. It's at the very um, end of the book. After after she after he watches her get beat the crap up, and the the drug dealer's like, "Use your powers, man. Save her. Just use your powers." Mm-hmm. And then when he doesn't, she says, "Why did you lie to me?" He goes, "I'm sorry." I felt like he said that just because he wanted to, her not her wanted her not to feel alone, you know, and that because obviously, yeah. uh, of course, he likes her, but he doesn't want her to feel alone. So he says, "Well, I, I can kill people with my mind." So she feels like, "Okay, I can relate to you. I can we can work together and we can get along." And yeah, I think he uses that as a way to like hang out with this chick who thinks is awesome, and he wants to get out of town. Well, see, I thought that they. Because obviously when he starts explaining his powers, you're like, that's ridiculous. You don't have those powers. Like, and I feel that they set that up so you're like, oh, this kid's obviously lying to get in this girl's pants or to hang out with her. But then once the shit goes down and you see like him react to the, the violence at the drug dealer's house and that that end line, it's, it almost makes me think that, well, now he's, he's thinking – strategically and, and there might be more to what he says about having powers than we initially uh papad so you're saying in future <laughs> issues they can kind of they can kind of go back and, and change that a little bit if they want him to have powers he's got powers i get yeah, i just i, I just otherwise why put it in there it's 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 a silly like i, I have the power it doesn't Story. go anywhere it doesn't it is it doesn't it has no brother. payoff no, it, other than you lied to me and you're like it's it's his way of getting her to trust him. It's his way of getting close to her. Yeah. Haven't you ever told a girl that you liked something or you could do something that you couldn't do? Yeah, but it makes it makes Maddie it makes Maddie an unbelievably foolish character. And she's not. She's supposed to be really, really smart. She just she has superpowers. Why wouldn't she believe that someone else does? Because she's never met anyone to that point who has, and he hasn't been able to prove that he has superpowers, except for the – and she but, has the coincidental, coincidental evidence of when they hang out, people freaking die. But, but that's she kills them all. Yeah. Well, maybe he wills it. You're, now you're just getting lost Ooh, in a story no. that I think you want is there, but it's not there. All right. She brutally beats the crap out of all those people. That's why they die. Or he shoots them in the head. What issue are we on? In That's this? the other part. How I... many issues of this are out now? There's no other issues but these five. Oh, it's a closed this story? Is it. Okay. No, it's not. There's supposed to be more, but it's not out yet. To the boards, people. We will take it to the internet after this After this podcast. I, I don't think he has powers. Well, I think that's I his guess way. The reason and... I, the rest are, and, then we'll, and then we can move on from here. But I guess the reason I bring okay. that up is as I was looking at, um, you know, like synopsis of the stories to refresh my memory, every synopsis uh-huh. says two super uh, uh, teenagers' superpowers go on the road. So you do – and I, I, that might just be because he lies for three-fourths of the book and says that. I think that's what it is. So when I, when I pitched the first issue, he says he has superpowers. So it's supposed to be like uh, – you're. Spo- I think at that point you're supposed to be mad at Duncan with her. Okay. You're, you're supposed to be mad at him with her because we've switched. I think by that point we switch our – at that point I think we switch our allegiance from him to her. Mm-hmm. And the very last part of the book makes me go – Oh, now it's just going to follow her. Mm-hmm. Now it's her story, as opposed to being their story or Duncan's story. And there's this transition where it switches to you. Your rooting goes just for her. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't. That's that's my take on it. But I don't know. So moving on, moving on. Here's my question for you. Uh, this book. All the people who've talked about it, reading it myself, it has a very, aside from just the mixtape thing, it has kind of a real punk rock feel to it. Am I wrong in that, Travis? Does it feel like a punk rock comic book? I feel like we're in, in quite disagreement tonight. I feel like we're in quite we're in quiet. quite dis- we're, we're disagreeing a lot tonight. I'm going to say no, Josh. I'm going to say no. Um, from the fact that it doesn't have a punk rock feel because it's trying too hard to be punk rock. Which makes it so unpunk rock. Now, it doesn't make it not enjoyable. And I, in fact, I, I was intrigued. I read this book in a night. That's how much, it, that's how, how, like, every page got me to turn. 
But it is kind of any, anything you read about this book, it says punk rock, punk rock. I think the mixtape, that's pretty cool. I think the character of um, um, who's my main guy? Um, Duncan. Duncan. Duncan is uh, what you'd call an 80s, maybe punk rock kid from the music he listens to. But the story itself, it doesn't. It doesn't so feel two teenagers, rock two teenagers who want to get out of their town and run away and get and do something better isn't punk rock. Not when you bring in for that first issue, it's punk rock. For that second issue, it's punk rock. When they're in the Walmart or, and they're stealing clothes, that's punk rock. And then it it takes a turn and it, it's no longer punk rock. Uh, it, it's like the big two. It becomes the big two. DC Marvel. It becomes. It becomes. Not punk rock. I think it becomes. I don't yeah. think it becomes image. I think it. I think it becomes image. I don't think it becomes DC or Marvel. I don't think. You, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I guess. Well, I, I mean, I, I, and get, I think even like the fact that it's set in the '80s and there's no real reason why it should be set in the '80s is the authors trying to make it punk rock. It's like I, they I, lost sight of that '80s theme. No, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. They lost sight of that '80s theme to me after the third, fourth chapter, but, and, and we that break, was a point out. We need to ask Chris a question, because Josh and I are going to go to head to head on, on, on punk rock. Fine. I'm an outsider <laughs> to this. Like, I'm, I'm, I was not, I'm not big on the punk rock scene, so I'm looking at it from the 80s, and you said earlier that it felt like a John, a little bit like a John Hughes. That's exactly what I saw it as, I thought of it as, too, at the beginning. Like, like this bizarro version, where everything just awful happens, instead of like, you know, it's like zany and fun, but, no, it's not like that here, but. You know, and um, I will, I will, I will say, since we are talking about uh, uh, punk rock. I will say artistically that I really did think that there were some. I thought the colors in this were punk rock. I, w- I will say that. I think the pol- the colors are punk so, rock on this. Those those so clean backgrounds. Three fifths of the book. Yeah. Three fifths of the book read punk rock. The colors are punk rock. The mixtape is punk rock, and Duncan is punk rock. But the book is not punk rock. Nope, because it's trying to be punk rock, and that I don't is punk rock one hundred and one. That means this is, it's, that's, they sat that's down. Like kids, they sat down. This is like what kids are you calling them posers? Are you turning yes, into that kid in yeah. the nineties who call other kids posers? Exactly. So you're a douchebag who calls people posers now. <laughs> no, I'm just saying these authors sat down. They said, "Let's write a punk rock comic book." Right. Um, okay. Like for example, and that's Tank, not punk rock? Tank Girl is a punk girl comic. That's a punk comic book because it's just being Tank- itself, which happens to be punk rock. Isn't but isn't isn't that so? By your definition, isn't it trying too hard to be punk rock? Isn't having isn't having cannons for boobs punk rock? Isn't having isn't that too punk rock? No. It's I, your definition. Because I don't know. That, that didn't exist when like this exists. This is playing off on. This is playing off on all the tropes that we know about punk rock. You can look up punk rock history, and it's gonna have it's gonna have leather jacket check, bobby pins check, 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 check. Girls with big tits, missiles. That was that became punk rock after Tank Girl. I don't, I don't know, man. I I, I think that you're I. For for someone who says that they like this book, I just I feel that you just want to argue with me tonight. That's what that's what I'm getting out of this tonight. No, it's just the questions you legitimately ask are things that I, I disagree. With. I, there are things I like about this book, but the things I like about this book are not the things that you like about well, this book. Then then let's go into what do we like about the book? Because I, I I feel like for a book that we've all said we liked, we've spent a good portion of it kind of knocking the book, and that doesn't make sense to me. So no. what? So Chris, what do you okay. what do you like about the book? Uh, first of all, I liked everything. I hate to go back to the well again, but like I liked the first three or four chapters. Like I loved being along for this ride of these two teenagers who just want to get away from you know the crap life that they have. And I, you know, and adding the superpowers for me was like it was cool and it was like it made it more fun. But it wasn't it wasn't for me what drew me in. Um, what drew me in was just these two people just trying to get away from a crap life. And then, you know, I I wanted to I wanted more. Of that, I wanted more of the road trip. I wanted more. I just wanted more of the story there. I wanted the. I wanted to kind of elaborate on that, and I. I just. I love that. But then once they got to the drug dealer, once they got to, you know, the FBI and everything, it. It became something else to me, and I. I didn't know like what. Where. Where am I supposed to? Is this an action thing now, or is this? So I. That's where I kind of lost it. But the first part of it, I absolutely loved to death, and, like that's when I started reading. It, when you'd recommend it to me, and I started reading it. I said, this is. This is actually really good. This is a fun read so far. I've never read anything like this for you know from what I'm used to, but yeah. And so I, I the art is gorgeous. Um, I in, I'll be honest with you as a, as a comic book reader for me, I tend to I sometimes skip the art because I'm reading the story, and that's that's on me. 
but because I get so hooked in the story, I miss the art. With this book, I didn't miss the art. I mean, I was I was taking in every panel, and I was like, this is really gorgeous, and I just fell in love with it. You know, and they go to the scene, and I love the throwback. You know, for, as like I said, for a superhero guy like me, I love the throwback. So she's trying on all the clothes. You know, you got uh, the Phoenix, it's uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, they got a Judge Dredd in here, and she tries them all on. I just I was like, okay, this is this is cool. Um, and just the way they interact with each other, you know, it's it's just a it's just a cool. It's the chemistry there is just it's it's just fun. It's cool, and I'm a sucker for old Cadillacs. So. <laughs> and I, I, I agree. The things you like about it are the things I like about it as well. I really like that relationship to it. It took me back to the nostalgic days when you had a crush on a girl and you make her a mixtape and you're one way at home, but then you become, you know, somehow cooler around her. Duncan gets brave when he's around Maddie. He does things out of his character <sighs> to impress her. She makes him a, 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 a braver character. And I love the I love natural born killers. I love true romance. I love the genre of of most of this book. And so I kept turning the page. And even even when the superhero stuff got brought into it, even though it it took it made me rethink the book in my head. There were some really fun things with the superpowers. When he sleeps with the girl who is uh, he thinks is Maddie, and all of a sudden you're like, "Where did this come from? This is that yeah. chick is like grody," and like she pops up in the car and she's the old woman. I mean, even when the superpowers are brought in there, it changes the story for me. But it also it's the the I, I think the detriment of the fast pace is also one of the things that makes you keep reading it. Because yeah. you gotta turn the page to see what happens next because something big is happening on every page for the the last two issues of this book. So you're you're burning through this book. And I'm I'm with you. I think Hood's art in this uh is it's spectacular. I like it. It reminds me a little bit of Aja. Uh in Yeah, a sense, little bit. He's yeah. got a little bit of that. It reminds me of a little bit of Aja, which I really liked that uh when we read uh Aja a couple months ago. And I thought it is better. I think Hood really loves drawing these two main characters because there's such – I mean it's – I don't know. What do you call it, Josh? It's not cartoony, but it's kind of um, – yeah, I mean it's, it's definitely it's definitely cartooning. It's not you know, it's not that Jim Lee, you know, sort of, sort of like overly realistic. Stylized, I mean, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely he, like, stylized. You see like on his like – the, the kid's got like a happy trail, you know, when his shirt comes yeah. up. There's like a happy trail on it. And his facial expressions – those characters convey so much through their face, and I think that's why we like these characters, like reading these characters so much. Chris, you were talking about, I like their relationship, and I think Hood adds so much to that because when they look at each other as characters, when they turn to each other in the car, their expressions on their faces are ones where, like, I've had that expression on my face before. Josh, you talked earlier about, you know, like, are you telling me, Rats, you've never lied to a girl and tell her you've been good at something you haven't? Of course I have, and I would probably have that exact same look that he that he gives on his face when he does that he nails the expressions that the writer is trying to convey when he's supposed to be playing sarcastic he had a sarcastic grimace on his face and not just like the we need a sarcastic grimace here but a fully realized um expression on the characters faces yeah i i think that i think that uh, Hood does a really good job. I, th I think you're right. I think he does a really good job with facial expressions throughout. Uh, for the, I think for a book that when you flip through it, there are a bunch of panels and there's a bunch of dialogue on a lot of pages, but it, but it doesn't read like that. You know what I mean? Like, despite all of the kind of like banter, it reads fast. And I, th I think that's a good thing. I think there's a lot of information conveyed in text, but there's also a lot of story in the in those facial expressions of everybody. There's, you know, um, when Duncan goes to get the hotel room, right? He goes to buy the hotel room the first night, and uh, he talks about, you know, my wife and I are looking for a room, and, you know, he, he's like, what's well, all over? And he's like, catch up, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, like, there's, like, a look on his face uh, when she asks him how many beds does he need. And the expression on his face of, like, one, no, no, two beds, no, one, right? And the expression while he says that, it, there's so many times where 
those expressions are fantastic as the book goes through. And and, and you had mentioned earlier, Travis, uh, that the colors are great. Oh, um, yeah. Amanda Skirty, Amanda Skirty does some great. I think that's how you'd say her last name. Does some great colors on here. It's very flat, but I I love that flat kind of coloring and the palette. She's the palettes that she chooses from. You know, they're all like really yeah. like warm and dark colors, like working well together. And I think, you know, we talked earlier, at least I mentioned that I really like the natural sound of the dialogue. I think that yeah. natural dialogue and the ability for Hood to capture realistic natural expressions just pair so well together. And I think for me, that's the driving force between on this book where I read it and I'm like, this is good. This is good dialogue. This is good art. They blend well together. It makes this story seem more real, and it makes the fantastical parts, the superhero parts, more real as well. Now, regardless if they if they maybe take that superhero genre further than it needs to be, or they're exploring a, another end of it, I think even when the superpowers are going off and there's explosions and there's that, it's somehow still grounded by the art, uh, and I think that's a really strong point of the story. I mean, I think I think where our disconnect uh, in this is is I like this book. I like it so much that I want it to be more. You know, when you read something and you you like you almost like you get possessive about it, and then you start making. Yeah. Well, I want it to be this. I want it to go this way. I want it to do this. Um, for me, I saw so much that I liked that I was like, ooh, ooh. There were so many things to like in the beginning, first three issues of this that. I could have gone down any of those routes, and the authors decided to take me someplace different. And that's they, the story belongs to them. It's not my story. Uh, it's just that I would read the second volume of this because, especially after this conversation, I am now so curious as to what they focus on for the next couple issues. Would yeah, you say the I'll, biggest? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. Would you say that the biggest thing? I guess the biggest negative is it's, we all seem to say is that we really just want more yeah i think so i i think i think That's it true. ends in a way i think it ends in a way that i'm not i'm not happy with and maybe right. i'd be happy if i got five more issues that explained why it ended that way you know what i mean and so it's it's not it is a complete story i mean you could leave it as a complete story you know they aren't they aren't together he's 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 back to being a loser who's picked on right mm. and she's back to but she's changed. She's going to go run. She's going to go, you know, be herself. She's got a new haircut and she's going to she's on the lamb. Right. And mm. so it's it's a weird thing where a character that I, I think part of the issue is that a character that I related to and a character I'm like, yeah, like a character like Duncan. Then at the very end, you're like, man, he didn't get anything. He's just back in another kind of like a shitty position, except he didn't graduate high school. You know <laughs> Right. He's even he's even worse off now than he was prior to that. Um, and this is and this is kind of where I question the whole like did did they really grow as as people? Like she just ends up on the run and the, he's in a what is it a deli? Like, yeah, like coffee a, like on something. A, yeah, like a, like a coffee house, a diner. Yeah, I think that she changes because I think she's figured out. I think she's like yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with this powers thing. Like I think she kind of comes into her own. And I don't know what that is because, I mean, we don't we don't see her change. But I think that she's different because at first she didn't want to run, run. Right. She was going to get out of town. She had a scholarship. But at the end, at the end, she just seems (laughs) at the end. I think like her exterior and the way she acts is a toughness that matches sort of that that sort of active toughness that you see with her superpowers if that makes sense and isn't that the worst guys when you break up when the things don't work out with the girl and then you see them later and they're doing so much better than you are and you're like oh man i really wanted to see you like maybe like a crack whore or like maybe like at least how about you be serving coffee and i'll come in and buy it from you you never want to you never want that power dynamic to shift no no um but Overall, I think we can all agree that the first the first uh, three chapters of this, and I would even say the fourth chapter, I'm cool with the 
the shape-shifting lady, I'm cool with the FBI because then I then they run away from the FBI, and I'm like, okay, that's they've escaped that. I think the fifth the fifth issue is the one where I where I go, eh. There's some cool stuff in it. I think that you know you kind of see their deni- the dynamic the dynamic of their relationship change, but I don't like that they're camped out. There's that weird twist where they're going to camp out with drug dealer with lots of superhero people that I that I don't like, but. Otherwise, I think the first four issues tell a really good story. One I like, question I I like the design. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. Please. Okay, so basically, the, the one question I had for both of you is, if you, if, basically, our biggest problem is after chapter three or chapter four, if they'd have fleshed out those chapters a little more, gotten a little more from it, would, is it, would it have been easier for the last, those last few chapters? Would the story have been better? Or would it, would it have been more palatable? Well, I, I, I don't think this is... I, I enjoyed this story... It's just, I just, the ending of it just wasn't satisfying to me. And that's, I've read things where I didn't like the ending, but it doesn't mean that I didn't like the story. Um, Have you guys seen that movie 500 Days of Summer? Yeah. She meets August. She meets August in the end. He meets August in the end, right? Or something like that. Great, great, great movie until the very end when it ends terribly and unhappily. And I'm like. Well, that sucks. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> like it, there's no happy ending. So, <clears throat> and I guess like she has a happy ending because she gets to run away and she's not stuck in that small town. But I don't if, know. It, if it was a single story, if the, if they weren't going to write any more to this, the way to end it, I feel like, is the way you end all crime road trip movies. They get like like a uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. They got to go out yep. in a blaze of glory, you know, and then they grab hands. As there's blood and, and empty bullet shells around them, you know. But um, can I read that? Where do I read that? Story? Can you do that? <laughs> you can read it at my fan fiction site. I'm very excited <laughs> to read it. Um, so, as long as there's a My Little Pony crossover. <laughs> oh yeah. Je- Who do you think kills him? <laughs> my Little Pony. I like it. Uh, so here, here's 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 what I here's what I'm wondering, guys. As we as we wrap up our discussion of this, here's what I wish had happened. I wish we would have had this discussion first, and I wish we would have ended with our punk rock argument. Travis, I think that would have made a better show in the in the end of this episode. But <laughs> alas, alas, I liked our here. punk rock argument. It was good. <laughs> we need some. We need some more tooth and nail in in comic exposure. We're we're, we're always too cordial. I, I think I we just, argued I, cordially. I guess so. I just don't accept your argument if if you're trying to be punk rock, you're not punk rock. Because then no one can be punk rock. Because in order to be punk rock, you have to try. Iggy to be Pop punk rock. can be punk rock. Eh. Didn't he try a little too hard sometimes? That's what. That's what it was. Punk punk rock at the time. It's something <laughs> organic. Well, you know what? We'll have we'll have uh, we're gonna start a new podcast called Punk or Not, where we just go through and look punk at different parts of society and we decide if it's punk or not. Pugs, punk or not. Um, and then you would say. You'd say they're totally punk because you have one <laughs> and totally you're punk. a punk. Yeah, and I would say, oh, I'm definitely not a punk. And I wasn't even a punk when I thought I was a punk. Because um, I was trying, Josh. I was trying too hard. I got to get my tattoos know. removed. So here's, here's what I want to know. <laughs> Gentlemen, would you, would you recommend this book, Chris Moore? Absolutely, yes. Uh, as a whole, for the, even, though, even though I spent a lot of time, I'm sorry, I've spent, spent a lot of time bitching about it. I really like the story. I just wanted more of it. I think that's my biggest problem. Yes, I would recommend it to anybody who says, hey, I need a comic to read and, you know, something good. I would absolutely recommend this. This was a lot of fun. I really did like it. Travis Ratz. I would recommend it as well. Um, in fact, uh, I have some people that I want to get on future podcasts that I was thinking for this podcast, um, but for other reasons, I changed it. So this is something that I would, I would definitely recommend to uh, people. I would give it to all my punk rock friends uh, who'd appreciate the mixtapes and how absolutely punk rock it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would. I totally. I would totally. I totally give it to some people. I really enjoyed it. I have someone in mind who uh, who will. It'll be the next thing they borrow. The reason I didn't give it to them is because we were doing the podcast, and so I wanted my copy here while we did it. Um, uh, everybody's favorite panel was the dick pic, right? Uh, I thought it was funny that you don't see the head of it. That you, you like you just you, you just see the see shaft. The shaft. And it's like oh, it's an oddly shaped, like it's it's like it's it's erect, but it's not. So that's a little strange. 
Like mm-hmm. it's downward pointing, <laughs> and maybe that's the way his dangle dingles. But it, that scene dingle was dangles. hot. That scene was hot. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It was. It was a really. It was kind of like I thought that scene was really funny. Like he was like, "Oh my gosh, this is happening! Oh my gosh, why He's is this happening?" He's got a little buzz on. He's got a couple of beers, right? In <clears throat> and then he realizes that. It's not really happening. And so he's like shocked out of the system. And I love that his barf looks exactly like her barf later when she finds out that when she like sees that shapeshifter turn into her, they have like the same exact barf. <laughs> right. I think my, my favorite panels are any of them where they're in the car. Those are just drawn. So the perspective when they're in the car, that's going to be hard to draw, right? People in a car. Yeah. Uh, and I think um, that they're just done really well. Like you feel like the environment of the car, there's some side profiles of them riding and they're kind of spaced out. Like it is like the Cadillac, you have that room in there and they're just kind of lounging in the car on the, on, on the run. Uh, Chris Moore, favorite panel. Favorite panel was uh, Maddie getting, taking that, just taking a taste of snow. Just for the reason I picked that was because it was just that moment of, out of all the shit that they deal with and throughout the comp from the beginning to the end, it's like that one panel it's just that one moment where it's just, calm everything's okay and, yeah, and I, I, you I, could you could argue the the carnival scene but I, I for that one that one felt the most like you know for one brief moment everything was just okay and she was just happy i think it's one of the only times you ever really see her smile and mean it yeah i think you're right i think that was a really cool panel i think one of the panels that i really like and i really like it because it's like it's it's gross and so maddie is beating the crap out of somebody and when they get to the drug dealer place and it's a series of it's four panels and his face is just wrecked in that last panel like it's it's to, it's totally like murderized in that last panel <laughs> oh, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. and it and it is a lot just of blood. it is just gnarly and they're like ripping him off of her and like that's how tough she gets when she's when she's got when she, she's got those powers going uh, I, that's, I mean, it's a gross panel, but there's just something about it where you can see that's how literal tough she is, is, is in that panel. Uh, so Travis Rash. She's Filipino. Is she ch- Chinese? Thai? I think I said, she said Asian and I'm yeah. not going to guess, uh, but she's adopted. That was something that I thought like that was never filled out. That was, that wasn't fleshed out either. And I kind of want to know where was that goes. A, like her parents experiment? were her handlers. Weren't like the, yeah, yeah, they had that aspect of like, they were like the handlers, like they were assigned to, to watch yeah. this weapon of some kind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think we've all agreed despite our, our nitpicking and despite our arguments that we all really enjoyed this book. I'm going to tell you what, I think this would make a great movie. I think it'd be a good movie. I think the pacing up to that ending part is a really good kind of fast pace, and maybe it works as a TV show a little bit better. It's than a, a movie. Matthew Vaughn movie, you know, from I, I, Kick Ass and Kingsman. Yeah, would take this material really well. I, I think you know it's it's fun. The wit is good. The dialogue is good. I think it translates well into into film. I really dug it. I'm the so this kind of team, right? Uh, uh, Rosenberg and Clinton. I think Rosenberg has a new book coming out uh, called uh, Four Kids Rob a Bank. And oh, it's that, about that like the title a, the book is, yeah. Okay, four kids so far. Like, it's like they, four kids rob a bank. They nail it's titling books. By the way, they come up with right? really good titles. Uh, <laughs> so it's and apparently it's about like four nerdy kids who end up robbing a bank. Like there's Dungeons and Dragons involved in it. Like not actual dragons, but like the game Dungeons and Dragons. So it is on my pull list. I ordered it so I can get it single issues. You want to talk about? You want to? You want to? You want to spend some money? Go try to find the uh, variants of these on eBay, my friends, and look how ridiculously priced those are. Are they just like, uh, in the hundreds already? This this book was hey, it, this book is like it was kind of heralded as the most as the best independent book of last year, mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't print a bunch of them because it, Black Mass Studios isn't a giant, isn't a big company, right? And so getting your hands on those single issues, those original first prints are super hard to come by so uh ladies and gentlemen thanks for tuning in to comic exposure we love comic books and we love each other chris moore thank you for coming on the show thank you so much for having me i loved it well my favorite one of my favorites sorry sorry you had to hear me and travis argue daddy i love it yeah (laughs) i almost wanted to jump in with mommy daddy stop fighting (laughs) dad and mom are sorry shut Um, up chris (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry so so Next up on the show, Travis Ratz, 
Next next book we're reading is Tokyo Ghost. Tokyo Ghost. So Tokyo you get to get Ghost. back into your love of uh, Sean Murphy as yes. we as oh. we read as we read Tokyo That's Ghost. That's me licking my lips. Uh, That's not anything directed to you, Sean. <laughs> so so that's the next book on the podcast pick it up take a, uh give it a read uh if you haven't read we can never go home read it i think it's fantastic i think we all agree it's good uh we just wish we just want more like we just want more road trip all right gentlemen thank you for being on the show chris travis Thanks rats so smooches uh and ladies and gentlemen you can find us on www.comicexposure.com and uh at comic exposure on the instagram or on uh on the twitter and there is a playlist for this already on spotify if you type in uh we can never go home mixtape playlist you'll be able to hear all the playlist uh songs in the playlist it and there are three beautiful mixtapes that are are four mixtapes that are on the songs on this some gorilla biscuits what yes there's Gorilla Biscuits on here. There's like a beautiful mix of like just 80s like new wave, but then at the same time Gorilla Biscuits are on it Some and the Descendants core, are yeah. on it. But it's like it's this really weird uh this really weird mix of stuff that I that I love. The Minutemen and Ministry are on one of them. And how is that not good? So five mixtape yeah. worth of songs. So check Listen out. to some punk uh, rock and then Josh, what do we say? At the end of every episode, we said something like we say I'll see you in hell. That's not it. It's not I'll see nope, you in nope, hell. Nope. I'll see you manana. Next trade. Oh. Nope, nope. We'll see you next trade. <laughs> <laughs>